Welcome to Transforming Lives with Michael Carter, pastor of The Life Church. The Life Church is a place where you'll enjoy interactive dynamic worship, prayer, and a very practical, down-to-earth yet spiritual message. Our service times are Sunday morning at 10 a.m. and Wednesday night reboot at 6.45 p.m. Visit us at mychurchlife.org or on Facebook. Just search My Church Life and look for The Life Church. Now, let's join Pastor Mike. Biblical money management. All right, here we go. So this subject that we're getting into, again, it's no uh, coincidence that this is right on the heels of our faith versus fear. And one of the things I would suggest, even though many of you know about money, you've heard about money, you know what money is, you've seen it before, it's come and gone uh, with you, I'm sure. Uh, I would encourage you to, uh, during this series, take notes. Take some notes down. Take some notes down. Even the stuff you already know. My wife and I were talking uh, about some of the people that she counsels. And um, she counsels some people. And, and one of the things is young people uh, come to her sometimes and they say, well, you know, uh, one little girl said, you know, I don't, I said little girl, one young lady said, you know, I, I, uh, I'm going to go into this particular subject, but I don't want to go to school. I don't need schooling for it because I kind of already know it you know and so she and I were talking about that and uh, I think it was she wanted to open up a uh, she wanted to go to cosmetology right and open up her own uh, you know beauty shop or whatever it is and so we were saying that you know people people that come to the beauty shop uh, that have money are typically going to be you know middle aged and older you know I mean some kids might come some young people might come but they're giving up their rent money to come and get their hair done you know we you know some middle-aged people and older people that have the money and they may not trust you if you didn't go to college even though you say you know how to do it you know you have to go through the steps and so we were just saying that even though you may know just like with the Bible you may know it uh, but it's good for us to read it every day Right. Sometimes you have to go to school, even though, you know, uh, the, the subject matter. I like one guy uh, likened it to eating. You know, it's like, well, are you going to eat today? And if you're not fasting, most of us would say yes. And then I would say, well, why? You ate yesterday, didn't you? You ate last week. So you already ate. Why are you eating today? Well, you need to continue to be sustained. Well, that's the same way with the Word of God. That's the same way with these subjects like money, right? I know you already know it. I know you've already heard it, but we need to hear it over and over. That's why we used to call it when you come to church being fed, uh, you know, and so that's why we need to do that. So we're going to talk about this subject, biblical money management. And I want to let you know that it is very important to God's heart. Now, let me just start off by saying we're not talking about magic. We're not talking about genies. We're not talking about, uh, you know, safe falling from the sky and breaking open. If that happens, bring it on, Lord. Bring it on. I'll be the first one there, you know. So I, I'm not against any of that. But what we want to talk about in this series is God is a spirit. We know that, right? God is spirit. You are spirit. If you're born again, you are spirit. You are spirit being. We know that. But God has given us so many practical things in his word that a lot of times we ask for miracles when God is saying, I gave you the steps to do. Not that God minds doing a miracle. If we need it, God will, God, listen, go to the Lord. We can say it. But he's, he, what he really wants us to know is if you'd follow the steps that I laid out for you, Come on, the just shall walk by faith. You shall walk by faith. 
So we're talking about money management, and it's very important. The kingdom runs by money. Our economy runs by money. Money is important. Money answers all things, the Bible says. Follow the money a lot of times. You can find out where a person's heart is. I was told this when I was very, very young. We used to have these things uh, called checkbooks. Uh, you know, they don't have those anymore, but we used, you know, you'd have to write a check and then you have a little ledger in there and you'd balance your checkbook, you know, and they, a lot of times people would say, if you want to know where a person's heart is, look at their checkbook. You know, what are they, are they paying their bills on time? That speaks to character, right? I mean, who do they give to? What do they spend their money on, right? Money answers all things. Money answers all things. And so that's why it's, that's why we want to talk about this. The other reason is because God has called us to be overcomers. It's true. I know Jesus said the poor will be with you always, but that doesn't mean you need to try to be poor just because he said that. Okay? And there's a biblical way. There's a biblical way. I'm not talking about, again, not magic. I'm just talking about a biblical way to live an abundant life the way Jesus wants us to live it. So this biblical money management, this is really a discipline, guys, that touches every area of our life. And it requires constant focus. If you turn your head, especially young people, you turn your head on money, money will do its own thing. Money, it seems like money may have a mind of its own if you're not paying attention to it. It takes constant focus. So what we want to do really for a few minutes today is we just want to talk about why we're doing this. We want to talk about identifying problems, first of all. And then, uh, you know, like I said, the elders, my wife, and, and as we get through this series, when they come up and do their messages, we'll, get in, we'll dig down deep into and we'll spend time on some specific places, all right, uh, that, where you can... Uh, really find out what God wants you to do and how to be good stewards over your money. But we're talking, first of all, about identifying the problems with money. So if you're this type of person, you're this type of person, you have a desire to give, but you have nothing to give, right? I, have you ever, I've been there before. I've had, I've had a heart to give, but quite honestly, I had nothing to give by the time I you know, paid all my bills and, and whatever it is. In fact, I need somebody to give me something so that I could be sustained. Well, what kind of problem is that? That's a money problem. That's just, that's a money problem. I don't have enough money. So that's my money problem. If you're the type of person that uh, has a desire to give, but you tied up your resources, all right, uh, you had money, but you tied up your resources and other things, and now it leads you to a place where you don't have anything to give. Tied up your resources, you have nothing to give. If you're that type of a person, then that simply is a management problem, right? Desire to give, but you're stretched too thin. That's a management problem. It's a management problem. But here's what I really want to talk about. When, you when the rubber meets the road and all the other cliches that go along with it, when you really talk about money in our lives, when you really talk about money, many of us uh, do have a desire to give, but there's some you have no desire to give, uh, no desire for biblical money management in any part of your life. And most of us in here would say, no, that's not me. But when you follow the money, when, uh, how money answers all things, it's one thing to say it, but this really is a heart problem. It's a heart problem. And this is what we're talking about. We're talking about the heart. That's what we're talking about. You know, at the end of the day, this whole series is really not about money per se. This series that we're talking about is really about the heart. And it's really about Jesus. And so biblical money management is the result of life management. 
okay? It's required of us that know Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We have no excuse because God laid it out for us. Acts 2.36 says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And so by saying that, he's the one, he knows, right, how money goes. He knows what we should do with it. He knows how to be a good steward. And if we're a person that's not following the biblical plan on how to uh, use and, and, and manage our money, then we're saying Jesus doesn't know what he's talking about. Now, we, you would never say that. But by the way that you handle your money, you're saying that. Never thought about that, did you? By the way you're handling your money, you're saying, God, I know better than God on how to handle money. I know better than him, right? Acts 16, 31 says, so they said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved and your whole household. So here's, here's what we're talking about. We're really talking about those that know the Lord Jesus Christ, okay? Because what does Joshua 1, 8 say? Anybody remember Joshua 1, 8? This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You know it, right? You shall observe to do all that is written therein. And then you will have, make your way prosperous and have what kind of success? What kind of success? What kind of success? Good success. If there's a good success, there must be a bad success. So the first thing we need to do is, first of all, if you don't know the Lord, we need to know the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to ask him into our heart, right? That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved, right? And if we do that, now you're part of the kingdom. Now you're part of this kingdom economy. If, if I left here and went to the Philippines, for example, we do a lot with the Philippines, and uh, I expected to use money in the same way that I do in the United States, I might be for a rude awakening. You know, they, first of all, they have, a different, they have different denominations of money, so I can't just say, well, this is the way I do it in the U.S. You guys conform to me. Can't do that, right? Now you are in the kingdom of God. God made the rules. I would think, I know you're a very smart person. And I, I consider myself to be halfway smart as well. But I would think that God is smarter than you and me. That's what, that's what I would think. I would think that he, he's smarter than both of us. And he knows, right? He knows. And so the first thing to do is to press into God. God, I've tried it my way. I've tried to manage money my way. I've tried to invest my way. I've tried to save my way. I've got a lot of advice. I've spent money. I've had a hole in my pocket. You know, all of these things. And what God is saying, come to me, all ye who labor and are heavy laden. We just think that means when people are getting on our nerves or when we get sick. But when you get sick and tired of being sick and tired of being broke, and it's not anybody's fault but yours, Come on, when we look in the mirror, right? He's saying, come to me, come to me. So that's what it is. First of all, it's a call to salvation. That's, that's really what it is, except Jesus as, as your Lord. But when you do that, now you submit. See, this is how I'm tying these th things together. You're saying, is this a salvation message or is this a money message? Well, really, they're the same message. Because when you, when you, when you ask Jesus into your heart, you get all that comes with that. And so we have to submit to him. That means we submit every area of our life. When you say, I surrender, here's the word again, all, that means everything, including the way that I think about my money. 
You become a disciple, a disciplined follower of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to follow what he says about money. Now, you might be tired of me saying the word money, uh, but that's what we're talking about over the next few weeks. And it's okay. It's okay. It's just as important as grace. It's just as important as forgiveness, as favor, as all of those things. As all of those things. You know, a lot of people have come against it because people are afraid to talk about money. And I think where that comes from is, uh, you know, because you, you have a lot of people uh, that, that are on one side of it. You know, you have people that talk about name it and claim it, and, and that's all you have to do. And, you know, uh, all I have to do is say a few scriptures and, and I'm going to be, you know, rich. And that's all they're looking for. And people hear that and that turns them off. You know, they, they, you, they think all you want to serve God for is to get rich. Well, no, we serve God uh, for it all. It's, all. it's all about relationship, isn't it? We serve God for relationship. But part of our relationship with God is he has given, he has put things into your hands, including your money, and he's called us to be good stewards. Now, when you think of it that way, how many scriptures really talk about money? How many, when you talk about the talent that he put in, into, into, into the hands of, of those when the, when the man left, the rich man left, right? And Jesus talks about it. There's, there's 16 parables that talk about money. 16 parables. So we don't want to shy away from it. We don't want to shy away from it. So what we're going to do over the next few weeks, let me just give you some reasons why. Here's the purpose of, of why we're talking about money. First of all, we want to encourage every person toward a biblical perspective on managing their money properly and wisely, okay? Properly and wisely. I know there's this old saying that says, the best time to plant a tree was, what, 20 years ago? And the second best time is now, right? Well, I would say to you that the best time to invest and, and get a handle on your finances was 20 years ago. But the second best time is right now. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. And in order to do this, in order to have a biblical perspective on managing your money, you're going to have to be open to God's way of doing things, even if your way seems to work. You may be a person that has money in the bank. You may be a person that has a great job or a great career, or maybe you were born into money. I don't know how many of you were born into money. Maybe you were born into money. I don't know. But remember, remember Joshua 1.8. Then you will have good success. There's a good success and there's a bad success. So we want to have this perspective of managing our money properly and wisely. Right? Matthew 6.31 says, don't worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? This is what we're trying to remove is the worry and the anxiety and the fear that comes along with finances. As we go through this series, I'm one who's both listening to myself talk as I listen to God talk. And I'm listening to everyone, um, you know, who would share during this series because this is an area in my life. And I'm not afraid to admit to you uh, that I have had some fear in. I have had some fear, you know, when it comes to health. No problem with me. You bring it on. You know, this could happen. That could happen. I'm, I'm speaking in Jesus' name. Even if it's hurting or whatever, I have no problem. No problem saying, in Jesus' name, I am healed. By his stripes, we were healed. I'm going to stay. Maybe it does hurt, but I'm standing on the word that God is a healer. And like the three Hebrew boys, even if he doesn't, he's still God over everything. No problem. Doesn't bother me at all. But when it comes to finances and some things are due, 
you know, here comes the worry, here comes the anxiety, right? And so this is what we're trying to dispel. Don't worry, don't worry. Proverbs 24, 3 and 4 says, Through wisdom a house is built, and by understanding it is established. By knowledge the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Through wisdom. God is trying to give us this wisdom. Let me just tell you this. This is, this is absolutely a spiritual issue, but we'll never understand the spiritual issue, obviously, until one, we can get the revelation of Jesus Christ and who he is. But now that we have that revelation, in order to get the revelation of how money works, we must go to God. It's a spiritual issue, and he tells us very practically. He tells us in a way that we can understand how to handle our money. So we have to get this biblical perspective on it. Secondly, we want to expose money problems as indicators that some things are out of order and that spiritual and biblical principles are being violated. This is an area we're just, we're going to have to admit in some, some areas of our life and some areas of our finances, we violate spiritual and biblical principles. There, there, is, a, there is a law, there is a principle, there's a principle of tithing. Now we, we do a lot of things with that. We, we look through the New Testament, try to see uh, where tithing is, and you know, it was in Malachi, and tithing isn't in the New Testament, and, and we try everything we can to get out of it. We do. And I get that. I understand that. But see, the issue with that is that you're going to have, if that's your attitude, that I don't need to tithe because tithing is not in the New Testament. Though Jesus did speak to the Pharisees about tithing. He said, you tithe as you ought. Okay, uh, and then you might say, well, that's kind of still the Old Testament because Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, really he hadn't died on the cross yet. So Acts really, okay, yep, yeah, come on, keep it coming, keep it coming. But here's the thing about it. Here's some instances in the New Testament when money was a heart issue. There was a, a guy, had a lot of money, had a lot of money. We'll, we'll, we'll call him uh, Mr. Gates Jobs. And, and he, had a, he had a lot of money. But he wanted to do the right thing. And so he came to Jesus and said, look, I've done everything. I've obeyed the law. I've kept every law since my youth. But Jesus was able to look into his heart and said, you have done everything except one thing. Go and sell all that you have. Give it to the poor and then follow me. And, and you know the story. It says that he went away sad. Why? Because money was more, uh, it's a heart issue. That was more important to him than serving Jesus was, and Jesus knew that. So I don't believe that Jesus would ask everybody to do that. But he would, he would ask whatever is in your heart that's more important to you than him, he'll ask you to give that up. He'll ask you to give it up. So if you want to talk about not tithing, Jesus said, give it all. Give it all. So which would you rather do now? You want to tithe? <laughs> he said, give it all. So everything that you have, if it's an issue with you, if tithing is an issue with you, then sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come and follow me. That's what Jesus is saying. So I would think he would go back to the principle that he laid out in the first place and tithe. Also, we know, I don't need to go into it, but we know that Malachi talks about, Malachi chapter 3 talks about if you tithe, uh, he said, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that you have not room enough to receive. And he also talks about uh, you'll be cursed with a curse. 
Do I need to go there? We remember that scripture. So that means that if you, to me, when I read that, I, I don't know how well I can read. I mean, I've been substitute teaching a little bit lately, and I had to sub in English a little bit. So, I, you know, I'm trying to get this comprehension thing down when you read to understand what it's saying, you know. But when I read that, I don't know about you guys, but when I read it, it was saying when you tithe, you'll be blessed. And when you don't tithe, you'll be cursed. Your money will be cursed. That's what I read. Now, I don't know. Maybe I need to go back and get some more comprehension classes, you know. But your money will be cursed. And so to me, I would rather uh, give 10% and have 90% of something that's blessed by God than to have 100% of something that's cursed. Right? That's what I would rather have. And so we want to expose money problems as indicators that something's out of order, spiritually and biblical. It's out of order, and it's a heart issue. Don't forget that. Number three, we want to, in this series, encourage honest evaluation of life habits and bring about a change of mind and heart in the way that we think about and use money. A change of mind and heart. See, what you're not, a lot of times what, what people don't understand is when you do it God's way, you are blessed more than you would ever believe. But what we do is we just see, oh, I got to go to that church and give money. Or the kingdom way is to always give. That doesn't make any sense to me. You're right. It doesn't make any sense to you. Want to know why? Because you weren't here in the beginning when God laid out all the laws. It may not make sense to you, but this is, this, I don't know how long that law has been about. You've been here 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years, 80 years, Sister Sharon, right? And so, uh, I, you know, it seems like a long time, but God's been doing this a lot longer than that. He's been doing it a lot longer and he knows how it goes. And so we have to be open and willing to change our mind and change our heart about the way we think about and the way that we use money. Proverbs 13, 18 says, Poverty and shame will come to him who disdains correction, but he who regards a rebuke will be honored. God is laying it out for us. He's telling us what to do. Number four, Encourage every person, each and every one of us, to fast and pray. I'm encouraging you to fast and pray about being a good steward. This, this is a spiritual issue. I mean, we are serving the Lord. This is, we're not at a seminar. It might sound like it because I'm giving you some points this morning. But this is not a money seminar, and an investing seminar. This is about the Lord. This is about Jesus dying on the cross and being resurrected and, and then going on to be with the Father, sitting down at the right hand of the Father and bringing us into the kingdom, his way of doing things. That's what this is about. So pray, fast and pray about being a good steward, a manager of life and resources. The Holy Spirit desires to help us and will give us spiritual insights about money. He knows how it goes. Why do you keep going to the bank? Right? And asking them what to do with money. Why do you keep listening to people who call you and you don't know the number, you don't know where they're coming from, but you answer the phone anyway, and they start telling you to invest in this or what to do with your money. It's already right here. It's already here. And so 1 Corinthians 2.12 says, we, Now that we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit of who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing, here it is, spiritual things to spiritual. God is trying to tell, he's trying to impart into us spiritual things in a very natural way. 
He's imparting into us spiritual things in a very practical way, things that we can use every day, every day. Number five, to encourage a liberal spirit. Now, don't get all weird. We're not talking about politics. But to encourage a liberal spirit of giving with a spirit of faith and expectation for your personal life, your family, and the generation to come. All right? We, we have, listen, we need to live to give. Jesus was a giver. And I don't just mean with money or finances. Jesus gave his life. He, God has called us to live to give. To live to give. Come on. Proverbs eleven twenty four says, There is one who scatters, yet increases more. And there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. I'm going to say that again. Proverbs eleven twenty four. I know I didn't put it up here for you, but get this in your spirit. There is one who scatters, yet increases more. There is one who withholds more than is right. See, it doesn't say you shouldn't withhold. It doesn't even say that you shouldn't save money. No, no. He, he says, there is one who withholds more than is right, but it leads to poverty. This is the kingdom way. That's why, that's why the last point was change your mind. We're going to change our mind and our heart about the way we think about money. All right. First Timothy 6, 18 and 19 says, let them do good that they be rich in good works, ready to give, willing to share, storing up for themselves a good foundation for the time to come that they may lay hold to eternal life. Be liberal with your giving. Be liberal with your money, with a spirit of faith and expectation. See how that goes together? Give with a spirit of expectation. Now here's, here is the, what do I call it? Here's the rub. Here is, uh, you know, here's the thing that doesn't make sense sometimes. We don't give to get. God has not called it. We didn't, you can't say, oh my goodness, I read all these scriptures on tithing and giving and receiving and now I have this revelation of getting. You know, God has not given us a revelation of getting. We don't give to get. But if you give, God owes no one anything. God is always ready to bless because he's a good father. Now, isn't that just a weird thing? How, 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 so, so, you, so you're telling me, Lord, if my attitude is I'm going to give and, uh, you know, give in that way, um, I'm not expecting anything back from that person. Uh, I'm not giving in order so that I can get. But then if I do that, you'll bless me and I'll receive uh, more than I can hold. Well, my cup is open to heaven, Lord. My cup is open to you. I need to follow your way. It doesn't make physical and natural sense to us. Number six, to encourage parents, parents, to teach their children through example and instruction how to live according to biblical values and priorities. By the way, even if your kids are grown, even if your kids are grown, parents, remember, uh, the best time to plant an oak tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. Today's a great day. It doesn't matter. They could be married. That's probably a better time. If they're grown and married and have children, that's even a better time. Start today. Start today changing your mind. Fast and pray about it. Pray about it. Change your mind about the way that you look at money. And if you're a young parent, listen. Teach your children through example, example. That means you have to follow the Bible and do what God says with money, right? And instruction on how to live according to biblical values, all right? 
Nationwide survey for high school seniors to research the financial IQ of teenagers. The finding of the research uh, was as follows. <laughs> Our high school seniors are financially illiterate, it says. Illiterate. Basically, teenagers don't know a lot about the basics of money, budgeting, the value of a dollar, saving and spending. All these make no sense to the teenager. This was a poll that was done uh, about eight years ago. And this doesn't mean you're dumb teenagers. That's not what it means. Uh, but it just means as a whole, it really is not an indictment on teenagers at all. Who's that an indictment on? Parents. That's an indictment on us as parents. You know, maybe we adults aren't doing that well ourselves with money management, both personally and nationally. Hmm. Seeing that our, uh, you know, our debt back in 2002 was $6.25 right? And I know it's gone up and down, and I, I am not talking politics. I'm just, I'm just saying it just doesn't make sense to me sometimes uh, the way that corporations, our country, and our families handle our money. And I'm looking in the mirror. I'm looking in the mirror when I say that, right? God has given us our life, our health, our talents, and allowed us to work and receive money and possessions. It all comes from God's goodness. That's what we have to know. I just leave you as just laying a foundation for what you're going to uh, hear. Uh, I'll leave you with this, this, this story about money. Listen to this story. It says that money came by the house one day. It says, as soon as I opened the door, as soon as I opened the door, let him in, I sensed that something was wrong. He walked aimlessly into the living room, plopped himself onto uh, my favorite chair, and he said, okay, is it okay if I sit here? Sure, money. Can I get you something to drink? Money sometimes drops by to discuss his problems, by the way. So I wasn't totally surprised to see him looking so discouraged. He said, you got any diet drinks? He waited to catch my eye and then added, I put on a few pounds lately. I just shook my head. Money was the master of the bad pun. Pounds, England, pun, never mind. Uh, so, so I handed him uh, his drink and then we got down to business. Money, if you don't mind me saying so, you look horrible. You haven't been fighting with greed again, have you? No, no, I'm just depressed. He looked at me with those sad green eyes and continued on. I get blamed for everything, everything. A man gets himself into debt. Does he face up to his problems? No. He whines, I just don't have enough money. A woman gets into a terrible fight with her husband. Do they try to understand what they're really fighting over in the first place? No, it's always we are fighting over money. I'm hoarded, I'm stolen, I'm wasted. And I'm misunderstood, Money said. Just yesterday, I was walking down the street and someone stopped me and said, aren't you security? Before I could answer, they, they blurted out, no, you're not security. You're glamour. No? Well, you sure look like glamour to me. Money looked over at me and I thought he was going to burst into tears. You know, I'm not God. His sad voice trailed off and he sank back into his easy chair. Just then, my wife came into the living room and I, she, she said, look, honey, I see money sitting there. My, my sweet wife, Jamie, was unaware of what we were discussing and she blurted out, money, are you feeling okay? You don't look so good, sweetie. And money started on again. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just people that make me crazy. 
Jamie looked over at me and I just rolled my eyes and motioned for her to sit down. It's a complex creation. Did you know that there are over 2,000 verses in the Bible that talk about me, Money said. Did you know that over half the parables mention me? Well, before we could say anything, Money answered his own questions. No, of course not. God writes a book that it completely explains me, but does anyone take the time to read it? No, they just grab at me, pull on me, throw me around like dogs fighting over an old bone. Nobody treats charity like that. Everyone loves charity. But if it wasn't for me, charity would be a nobody. Jamie and I just listened. Sometimes when money is having troubles, the best thing to do is just be attentive and listen. Do the two of you remember Solomon, money said? He said, I gave that boy everything. Gave him everything. But he respected me. I can remember like it was yesterday, that time we had lunch and he told me, you know money, whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. Now, that was a smart kid who really understood me. He appreciated my finer qualities. Money eased back into my chair, and for the first time that day, I saw him smile. Thinking about the good old days with Solomon appeared to have a calming effect. Jamie, Bob, you know what I am. Jamie and I looked at each other, not sure how to respond to this. Well, I'll tell you. In the end, I am simply a magnifying glass for a person's heart. I really never give or take. I just magnify what is already in a person's heart. People with anger in their hearts become angrier and use me to dominate others. People with fear in their hearts use me to build bigger fortresses to hide behind. Lust with money turns into addictions of every kind. Money got up and walked to my front door. Money, you feeling better? Yeah, I guess it's not such a bad job after all. It just gets to me every once in a while. I understand, I said. We hugged as he walked out the door. He turned and gave me a little smile and said, I guess I'm just feeling a little spent. <laughs> the bad pun and the bad dad joke. <laughs> I know that's kind of a long story, but I think it's so true, especially uh, in this story when money's talking about how really money's not bad or good. We know that. We've heard the scripture, right? That it's the love of money. But money just magnifies what's in your heart. That's why we're talking about it. And that's why we're going to spend some time on it. What's really in your heart? What's really in your heart?